You're listening to the N2K Space Network. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Hey, T-Minus crew. It's our last daily show of the year as we are taking the last week of December off for a holiday break. So as 2023 comes to a close, for today's show, we take a look back at the year that was for space and share our thoughts on what we're looking forward to in the coming year. Bring it on, 2024. T-Minus. 20 seconds to LOS. Today is December 22nd, 2023. I'm Maria Varmazes. I'm Alice Carruth, and this is T Minus. The White House releases its new space framework. Firefly Aerospace launches its Fly the Lightning mission. Mangata Networks partners with Microsoft to develop an AI enabled edge cloud product connected via satellite. And N2K Vice President Brandon Carf will be joining the two of us for the second part of the show as we round up the best of space activities we saw over the last 12 months and look at what we think will be the big developments in space in 2024. All right, let's take a look at our daily briefing on this Friday. Folks have been waiting for it, and now the National Space Council has unveiled the United States Novel Space Activities Authorization and Supervision Framework. Does it have an acronym yet? Is it NSAAAF? <laughs> who knows? Well, who knows? I will just call it the new framework for now. Okay, so the new space framework is a very needed updated guidance on who in the federal government will be regulating what in private space, meaning commercial, academic, and nonprofit use. Basically, everyone not NASA and the military. The White House says their emphasis with this new framework is ensuring appropriate supervision while also being agile and responsive as the industry forges ahead at breakneck speed. And here's just one quote of many from this new framework that has a lot to chew on. To the greatest extent feasible, the Secretaries of Commerce and Transportation should minimize burdens on industry and U.S. government entities by aligning oversight processes for private space sector novel activities, 
including strict timelines for applications and interagency reviews, with a transparent elevation process to adjudicate disagreements, and should harmonize the timing of and language in legislative proposals and respective Administrative Procedure Act rulemakings. Okay, so undoubtedly this new framework will be required reading for a lot of folks over the next week, if not beyond. And as we all start ramping back up in the new year, and as U.S. legislators return to work, we'll have a clearer picture of the potential impacts this new framework will have on the commercial space industry. And staying with that commercial space industry, a huge congratulations to Firefly Aerospace, who closed out the year with a successful launch of their Alpha FLTA-004 mission. The rocket had a dedicated mission called Fly the Lightning to launch Lockheed Martin's electrically steerable antenna demonstrator payload. The payload was integrated into a Terran orbital nebula small satellite bus and is expected to calibrate and be ready for operation in much less time than traditional on-orbit sensors demonstrating the delivery of rapid capabilities to U.S. warfighters stationed across the globe. And in addition, congrats must go to the team at NASA Spaceflight who provided the live stream for Firefly and did a phenomenal job. They absolutely did. Satellite communications company Mangata Networks has announced a new partnership with Microsoft aimed at developing an AI-enabled edge cloud product connected via satellite. This partnership represents a long-term commitment between Mangata Networks and Microsoft, marking the beginning of a sustained collaborative journey aimed at continuously advancing cloud technology through innovative satellite connectivity. The pilot phase of the planned product called Azure is scheduled to commence in the late second quarter of 2024, ahead of Mangata's planned Constellation launch. The U.S. Space Development Agency has released a draft solicitation for the proliferated warfighter space architecture known as PWSA, Futures Program, or PFP, Ground Segment Integration, also referred to as PGI. They do love an abbreviation (laughs) in the U.S. military. (laughs) The vision of the Futures Program is to provide a mechanism for the demonstration of new technical capabilities. The Ground Segment Integration will provide a common, enduring ground infrastructure and resources to minimize cost and complexity for space vehicle demonstrations and experimentation programs. This solicitation will include all activities required for the development, program management, systems engineering, integration, and operations and maintenance of the PGI. And we've added a link to the solicitation in our show notes. The ISS has been shedding some weight ahead of the holiday overindulgence. If only it was that easy for us. (laughs) (laughs) SpaceX's Dragon capsule undocked from the International Space Station on Thursday from the station's Harmony module. At the time of undocking, the station was flying at an altitude of about 260 miles southwest of Chile. After re-entering Earth's atmosphere, the spacecraft will make a parachute-assisted splashdown off the coast of Florida today. And Northrop Grumman's Cygnus spacecraft was released from the ISS's Unity module earlier today. At the time of release, the station was flying at about 260 miles over the Atlantic Ocean. Cygnus then performed a planned destructive reentry in which the spacecraft, filled with trash packed by the station crew, burned up in Earth's atmosphere. I bet that made a pretty think, sight. <laughs> I always wondered that. I'm like, they don't show any videos of these things. Elliot, you can cut pretty trash burning up. Yeah. In the- <laughs> pretty trash. <laughs> pretty trash. Just a thought. <laughs> 
The IAAA Computer Society has announced its Technology Predictions Report for 2023, featuring the top 19 technological advancements and trends anticipated to shape the industry this year and beyond. The annual report provides a comprehensive analysis of each technology's predicted success, the potential impact on humanity, predicted maturity and predicted market adoption, and includes horizons for commercial adoption opportunities for academia, governments, professional organisations and industry. Among the technologies recognised were space information technology and communication and sustainable space manufacturing. You can read the full report by following the link in our show notes, along with links to all the other headlines we've mentioned. And we have, of course, added some extras for you to read, including TechCrunch's look ahead to 2024, and we'll be sharing our own thoughts on that later, and the Kennedy Space Center's 2024 roundup, and a write-up on ESA's new pinhole propulsion system, and CGTN's look at who's making waves in China-US space collaboration. Hey, T-Minus crew, tune in tomorrow for T-Minus Deep Space, our show for extended interviews, special editions, and deep dives with some of the most influential professionals in the space industry. Tomorrow, we have Kirsten Hibbard talking about the amazing work of the Challenger Learning Centers. Check it out while you're driving to yet another holiday concert, kicking up your feet for the start of a nice end-of-year break, or last-minute panic shopping for Crimbo. You don't want to miss it. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. And since it's our last daily show of the year today, we're doing our year-end roundup and 2024 look ahead. Joining us for this chat is our boss and N2K Vice President, Brandon Karp. All right, so let's start with the year that was, 2023. Lots of stuff happened. We all had some favorites, I imagine. Who wants to start? <laughs> Who wants to nominate their faves from 2023? Go on, big boss. You can start with it. Brandon, would you like to go? <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> uh, how could I resist? Um, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> to me, the, the biggest story um, of the year was the success of Victus Knox mission. So uh, as a review, this was a U.S. Space Force mission um, looking at their responsive launch capabilities. So they had contracted with Millennium Space for a satellite bus and Firefly airspace for the launch services. And the whole idea of the mission is how quickly you could get from notification from the Space Force 
to um, fully launch integration for a satellite bus on top of a rocket to actually launching it to orbit to fully operational satellite in orbit. And um, they tested it for the first time in September. And it was, or I guess, uh, yeah, end of August, early September. And it was just a uh, resounding success. That's a very good nomination for best of 2023. I think that's a kudos. That's a very good one. Because that was fast. How fast did they turn that around? Like 24, 48 hours? Well, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was two components. Right? It was a first notification to Millennium to transport the uh, the satellite itself to the launch provider. And so that between notification, um, prepping the satellite for uh, transportation, and actually getting it to the launch pad was 58 hours, um, which is <laughs> incredible. It yeah. is pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, it was. It was. I, I believe I, I don't have the exact number here, but I believe it was over 100 miles to uh, tra- like 120 something miles uh, transportation, maybe 160. But um, either way, I mean, 58 hours from notification to moving the satellite to the launch pad, and then um, once it was at the launch pad, it was 27 hours um, between then and launch. So, uh, in- integrating the satellite on top of the rocket to actually achieving a launch window to getting the thing launched. I, I mean, it was just... Blazing fast. So I guess we'll see if they do it again this year in 2024. I'm going to be curious to see if that happens. Certainly hope so. Um, hope to see another, you know, test case. Um, you know, this this capability really matters, all right? I mean, the entire government, military uh, is reliant on satellite services today. Everything that all four services do, um, Space Force, of course, uh, supports, but Space Force also uh, needs the ability to support in a denied environment. So you think about all the satellites uh, required to operate the the joint force across the military. Um, th- this provides a backstop in case something happens to the satellites that are being relied upon. Yeah, it's it is it is truly amazing. All right, that's that's a great nomination. So. Good one. All right, Alice, you're next. What's your nomination for 2023? So I had to go international, didn't I? It's Chandrayaan-3. I think what India managed to do (laughs) with that lunar landing mission was just incredible. The cost of it was really impressive, what they were able to do on such a minimal budget. And the fact that they did do a soft landing. Now, obviously, it didn't quite succeed. They did lose uh, the signal after the first lunar night, which is you know, they were expecting that. So I like to say that, you know, that's exactly what their mission objective was supposed to be anyway. Um, but the fact that it's still going. So, the, you know, Chandrayaan-3 is multiple uh, components. It's the lander module, the propulsion module, and then the rover. And that propulsion module has been brought back to Earth's orbit. So even though the mission went up in August and it took a while to get up to the moon and do lunar orbit, they then brought it back down to the Earth and it's still working. To, to me, that's the mission that just keeps giving. You know, they they learned from Chandrayaan 2, turned that around so fast, and then uh, to have the success they had this year, uh, that was such a thrilling moment to watch, too. Just to see that success and everyone celebrating, it was really beautiful. Uh, I loved that. That was a great moment. I think so, too. And such a great way of showing that that space is more than just the U.S., you know. I, you know, I'm, we're all guilty of it. The U.S. has obviously been a leader in space for such a long time, but there's so much going on around the world. And I think all of a sudden we were paying attention to what was happening in Asia and then Europe as well. So it, it's exciting to see that this development isn't just a one-country thing now, that, um, that we have another country that's now a superpower that's able to go to the moon. That's an, a huge accomplishment. And not just go to the moon, but also do it 
way more cost effectively than any other nation that's ever done it before. I mean, to me, that's the, I mean, yes, this, the science has been incredible. The operations have been incredible. What they've been able to do uh, with the um, with the the bus after the mission was technically complete, incredible. I mean, I mean, really impressive work from ISRO. But to me, the most impressive thing was the cost, how, uh, how much they got done uh, per dollar, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just, they stretched that budget further than any space program around the world has ever been able to stretch a budget. Um, and, and I mean, that's that's a lesson that can be learned by all the other nations, uh, spacefaring nations. Yeah, NASA pay attention. Yeah, yeah, for real. The The meme that was sort of going around about that was that it was cheaper than Christopher Nolan's movie Interstellar was like, like it, just, it just sort of encapsulated that so well. Like it's cheaper than a movie to actually go to the moon. So um, well done, Isro. That's not a small deal either. So go on then, Maria. What's your nomination? All right, you knew I was going to be basic. So I'm going to be real basic. And I, I'm just psyched about Starship. Can I be excited about that? <laughs> of I mean, yeah, like, uh, you know, I'm not an Elon Musk fangirl, but uh, SpaceX's Starship is genuinely super exciting. The two tests they had this year, were the probably the only events I can think of, aside from ISRO's landing on the moon, that broke through sort of the space nerd bubble into sort of the general public being excited about something that's going on in space. And to me, that's that is a bit of my litmus test of if like the normies <laughs> are really excited about space. Uh, you know, what are what kind of events are people taking their kids out of school to go watch? And it's it's the Starship launch. Um, so you know how that played out in the the more mainstream press about. Oh, but it didn't quite succeed. So this is a total boondoggle. That's a shame, uh, and I hope that we can help correct that uh, narrative. But I think it's just amazing to see how much they've learned with each test flight and how far they've gotten. And we all know the potential for Starship once it gets up and running is going to be amazing. And it's been so thrilling to to watch that go. So I, I mean, it's basic, but dang, Starship for me is my easy win. It's not basic, though. We all know that when it is operational, it's going to change the industry. I mean, at the moment, they're taking up like 20 to 25 satellites at a time. This is going to go up to 200 satellites at a time. I mean, what a huge difference that's going to make to the industry. So, yeah, no, I don't think it's basic. I really do think it's the obvious one. um, And one of us had to pick it. So I'm glad you did, Maria. (laughs) I'll own it. I'm just going to own it. I'm like, I'll I'll be basic. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, when when you talk about a, you know, a multi-order of magnitude decrease in cost per kilogram with that capability. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's fundamentally going to change the entire industry and other industries, not just the space industry. So, totally agree. I, I remember April 20th being at Space Symposium. The whole thing shut down while everyone there watched that first test. Uh, you could hear a pin drop while everyone was just watching that. So totally, totally agree. That is, uh, without a doubt, one of the top stories from the year. Yeah, it's an easy one. But yeah, somebody had to say it. So I, I, I went for that one. All right. <laughs> All right. So that was the year that was. 2024, though, there is a lot planned for this year. Uh, obviously, timelines may shift, but going by what we assume is going to happen with the timelines that have been announced thus, thus far. Uh, Brandon, why don't we go in the same order? Brandon, what are you excited for this coming year? Sure. So this was a little bit more difficult. You know, uh, looking forward to the year, you know, I, I was tempted to kind of dig into policy. There, there's a lot of um, policy recommendations coming from the White House, from the National Space Council, um, you know, who's responsible for various aspects of regulatory approvals, launch approvals, et cetera, um, kind of balancing the responsibilities between FCC 
and FAA. Um, but at the end of the day, I went back to my home, the thing I'm most comfortable with, and it's it's military space is, is what That's I'm legit. interested <laughs> to see. And, and basically what I'm interested in looking and in, in hearing more about was um, just this past November, the Space Development Agency for the first time tested what's called Link 16 connectivity directly from low Earth orbit. And um, it, it, it might seem a little niche, it might seem um, not that important, but I want to kind of describe um, to the audience why this is so important, why this is such a big deal. Um, and Link 16 is what's called a tactical data link. So Link 16 is how various military assets communicate to each other and specifically communicate um, situational awareness information. So for example, if I'm on a ship and I'm looking at a whole bunch of other ships around me and I've marked where they are on a chart and I know their course and speed and what they're doing and potentially who they are as ships, I can share that information with other assets around me uh, through Link 16 and other tactical data links. Now, for the very first time, Space Development Agency tested Link 16 directly from satellite. So what that means is you've taken what is typically just a line of sight data link between military assets and you've made it over the horizon. And uh, the other unique thing about tactical data links like Link 16 in particular is that it is targeting quality data. Um, so typically what's going across here are uh, things that can be used in firing solutions for uh, various weapon systems uh, because the data is and the geolocation information is accurate um, and, and validated by other assets. And so what this means is uh, in this whole um, transport layer of the Space Development Agency's proliferated warfare, uh, warfighter space architecture, that's enabling this paradigm called sensor to shooter, which is for military assets around the world, wherever there is a sensor, even if the shooter is over the horizon from that sensor, the person actually um, engaging a target or an adversary, uh, we can actually get that data to the shooter and give them targeting quality data even over the horizon potentially. I mean, this is a huge capability. Um, once this is demonstrated beyond just the test case but actually becomes a standard part of uh, military operations, this is going to change the game and really, really put pressure on our adversaries. Um, the, the other important thing with Lake 16 is it's a coalition data link. So our coalition partners in NATO, uh, Japan, um, they, they all use these, all the Five Eyes nations, whether it's you know Australia, UK, Canada, they all use tactical data links like Link 16. And so this is really creating an incredible capability for our warfighters um, that over the next year, we should see them testing even more and really validating the use cases in real military exercises, uh, which should be fantastic um, capability for the warfighter. That's a great nomination, honestly. That is a that is a game changer. And so sensible of you, Brandon. There is so much coming <laughs> up and you went with the sensible one. Can we just point that out? <laughs> That's a good one, too. I mean, as as military space goes, eventually everything else follows, too. So I'm always like, that's cool. I wonder how else we can use something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, that is really neat. But yeah, it'll be interesting to, to follow the updates from that, uh, su such as we can learn them uh, next year. So that'll be, that'll be very cool. All right. Alice, what's your nomination for the coming year? 
Oh, it's so tough because I really want to go with the commercial Lunar Landers, but part of me feels like it's not going to happen. So, which is awful to say, sorry. Well, it's spicy. Look, hey, look, we all know how difficult it is to get to the moon and this is the first lot. So the chances of them making it are pretty slim and I think they're aware of that. So I'm not trying to be spicy. I'm just being pragmatic. They're going to learn from it and it might well be that they can go again by the end of the year, but I'm just saying that. Okay. So as I'm, as that's my thought, oh, oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm hoping I'm not wishing it all. Not that I'm a totally, you know, a savvy investor, but I've got a whole $200 of intuitive machine stock. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping you're wrong. Well, I think for $200, Brandon, I think I might be right. Um, So put that aside, and I do think they're going to be great, and I think they're going to be important. I think for me, because I'm British, it's the fact that the UK has had its license this year, and it's going to start looking at doing licensing and launching from the UK. And it's not just the UK that's going to benefit from that, it's Europe. Because at the moment, the only Europe... right? Yeah, Saxophone just got their license. Obviously, they had their horizontal license in January from uh, Cornwall. So all of a sudden, it's going to open up a whole new opportunity of launching, not just from the UK, but also from Europe. And, you know, with companies like PLD developing in Spain, obviously High Impulse in Germany that's going to be launching out of Saxophone, it's not just a UK thing. It's going to really open up the market to the Europeans. So I'm super excited to start seeing launches going from my home soil. So that to me is my big 2024. And I big up to uh, High Impulse and to Skyrora, who we have spoken to on the show and hopefully are going to launch this year. I I, I hope we get a nice little uh, chance to go out there and watch one ourselves. That would be, I'm just manifesting that into the universe. Made that happen. We would all love to Wouldn't that be amazing? (laughs) That would be amazing, especially to check out that distillery that they have on Saxophone's campus. Yeah. Love to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frank really promoted the the uh, distillery as much as he did their launch capabilities. I mean, I'd, I'll be there with bells on, honestly. <laughs> like, it's very British of us. I can't help it. But, you know, you've got to have a bit of a quick, a quick shot to celebrate the successes. So, you know, I don't blame them for having a distillery on site. So, Maria, what is your selection for 2024? Are you going basic again? I, oh, you know I am. I'm so basic. I mean, honestly, my my nom- can my nomination just be the moon? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, there's so much stuff going on with the moon next year, whether or not it fails. So I, you got all spicy on me, Alice. I'm like, that's true. Intuitive machines may or may not succeed. I mean, that's that's space for you. They're just one very... of many that are going up. There's Astrobotic as well. So, you know, there is a lot. There's a good chance that one of them's going to make it. You one, know? I, not... I bet at least one of them. At least one of them will. So intuitive yeah. machines, definitely. I'm fingers crossed for them. iSpace of Japan, yeah, uh, they're, they're still saying that they're going to go for a late 2024, again, fingers crossed, uh, re-attempt uh, for a soft lunar landing. So I really, if we see a private company land on the moon in 2024, again, I'm just thinking big picture, is that going to capture people's attention? Like, oh, it's not just nation states doing moon stuff, it's also companies now. That'll be a big, I think, a big paradigm shift in terms of how people understand space. So that could be huge. Or might not be. Maybe nobody will care. Well, I guess we'll see. Um, but there's just so much stuff going on with the moon next year. There's also China's going to do a lunar sample return from the far side of the moon. And then Artemis 2. <laughs> I mean... 
ear fit launches. I'm sorry. Oh gosh, I'm being really spicy now. But you know, we all know that it's going to end up being pushed back a little bit. At the moment, it's November. It might be December. Honestly, it might be early 2025. Another Christmas launch for Artemis. Another Christmas launch, maybe. It could be, but they're still saying 2024. So technically, we're just going for that. Yeah, I know it's basic, but I mean, Artemis too. Yeah, no, it will be amazing to have, you know, a first woman to actually leave low Earth orbit as well, you know. Just returning humans to the orbit of the moon after all these decades. I mean, that has never happened in my lifetime, in any of our lifetimes. So (laughs) just just putting that out there, like, that's that's huge. It is. It is huge. So Moon Stuff 2024. Moon Stuff 2024. (laughs) That's going to be my T-shirt that I'll be wearing in January. Moon Stuff 2024. Somebody needs to make that for you. We can wear it to, like, Space Symposium. Moon Stuff 2024. Just covers everything. Yeah. Put in your pre-orders now at space.n2k.com. It's our our merch. Moon Stuff 2024. Um, Well, Brandon and Alice, thank you so much for your look back and look ahead. Happy New Year. It's been a blast. And uh, we'll see you next year. See you next year. We'll be right back. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and Zero Trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. And welcome back. And are you even a space show in the Christmas season if you don't mention a Santa tracker or two? For anyone whose little elves are counting the number of sleeps until the 25th, you can always use the OG of Santa trackers from NORAD over at noradsanta.org. Or if you have Flight Radar 24 bookmarked, they've got their eyes on Kris Kringle as well. Just search for Santa 1, ho, 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 or R3DN053, which is red nose, anytime after 1900 UTC on December 23rd. Happy holidays. Yeah. <laughs> For additional resources from today's report, check out our show notes at space.n2k.com. Now, next week, we will be publishing some of our radio shows that feature collections of the best interviews that we've had since we launched in April, so do join us for that. And we'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at space at n2k.com or submit the survey in the show notes. Your feedback ensures we deliver the information that keeps you a step ahead in the rapidly changing space industry. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like ours are part of the daily routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, from the Fortune 500 to many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Alice Carruth. 
Mixing by Elliot Peltzman and Trey Hester. With original music and sound design by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producer is Jen Iben. Our VP is Brandon Karp. And I'm Maria Varmazis. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful holiday season and all of our best wishes in the new year. Health and happiness to you and yours from me, Ad Astra, and see you in 2024. And now a word from our sponsor, Six Sense. Six Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com.